Hello, everyone. We are back. Had a little lunch. Let the dog out. Um, scanning my final four bracket, which uh, we are competing with, which, no, I did not realize when I set the date for it. My final four, for those of you interested, Kansas, Michigan State, Arizona, Wichita State. Kansas against Arizona in the finals. Kansas taking it all. I'm sure that I will be completely wrong. So, moving on to the topic at hand. Uh, Eric Brady joining us. He is Director of Analytics and Reporting and Outcomes at Clinical Care Options, talking about excellent tricks for the non-expert, exploring the beauty of the cells. And Eric is going to run his own presentation. So I'm going to turn it over to you and take it away. Okay. Um, let's see. So am I, am, I, am I broadcasting, Derek, or do I need to click on You're good to go. You are... Okay. All right. So everybody's seeing me now. All right. Good. So... Uh, so thanks, Derek. Appreciate the opportunity, um, and uh, appreciate everybody else who's been hanging, hanging in, and watching, seeing me pull of the day. It sounds like from Derek that we've had quite a few people actually um, hanging on and watching the presentations. Um, I've got 45 minutes, um, and probably and probably nowhere near enough content to use in all of those 45 minutes. And there's a reason for that because uh, the idea with this session was. You know, there are a lot of people that are trying to figure out how to collect data and capture data, um, and and one of the big challenges is that a lot of us don't, a lot of people in our space don't exactly know how to leverage the tools that they have at their disposal, and so you know what gave rise to this talk um, really kind of started out with a conversation that was had at ASAF about um, you know people not really knowing how to leverage what was going on or what they what they could use in Excel and I said well I you know I've done quite a bit of stuff like that and we kind of posed a question out to uh, the CME chat group and uh, via Twitter and um, and Derek opened it up via uh, his Facebook account uh, the CME, CME guys Facebook account um, and said you know is this something that people would be interested in and uh, and while in some ways it seems like something of an elementary talk um, the, the general perception that we got back was, hey, this could be some really um, important stuff. So I'll switch out. So that's the, so the concept is, you know, show people a few different um, tips and tricks that um, that I've leveraged in Excel over the years, um, and you know, and and try to offer you all an opportunity to kind of ask questions as we go. So there's kind of three distinct um, focuses here, and and I I do need to give credit credit to Lawrence Sherman for prompting, um, for steering towards a, a title like this. Um, it started off as, you know, trying to be a little silly, um, and certainly uh, I think we, I think I've achieved that, uh, but I didn't uh, just pick up Lawrence's original suggestion, which I don't remember exactly anymore, but came up with something that, uh, you know, a little play on words here. But uh, at any rate, as I, as I said, we have um, three distinct focuses for uh, this, for this talk. Um, we're going to take a look at data validation specifically, uh, that it, which is a, a, a feature within Excel that allows us to potentially increase some efficiency with our data collection. We're going to take a look at VLOOKUP, which is a specific function that you can use within Excel. Um, and we'll talk more about that in a, in a moment. And we're also going to talk about the use of conditional formatting, another built-in feature of Excel that, uh, that we can use to sort and filter data. Now, most of you that know me know that I'm very outcomes focused, uh, but what you won't find in my talk today are any outcomes questions, um, because we are kind of low level here with with the way that we're we're looking at this. We've got a really broad, I, I would expect a broad range of experience, um, and without a great knowledge of of what that range of experience is, 
Um, I just elected to keep my objectives here reasonably knowledge focused and, and rather than, than looking for you to go out and implement these things immediately afterwards, more looking to plant seeds in your mind uh, to give yourself uh, an opportunity to think about how would I leverage these things in my own, in, in my own data or in my own um, organization, in my own um, you know, Excel spreadsheets that I, may, that, you know, that I may use at some point to, to try to manipulate some data. So we'll take a look at all three of these objectives. Um, so why do we bother with this? Uh, obviously in the, in the talk right before mine we heard the term big data and I didn't want to use the term big data so instead I'm going to say that data is biggering um, because we, we clearly know that um, you know, we have a lot of data on our hands um, and, and if, if, if one thing that, if there was one thing that, that's great about getting pushed towards higher levels of outcomes um, and, a, and a focus on trying to um, validate that what we do has merit and has impact, it is that we started collecting a lot more data um, and in so doing gave ourselves um, perhaps an, an, uh, a challenge of you know figuring out how to manage all that data correct, correctly. So our data is getting bigger, um, but our headcounts aren't. Um, if anything, uh, the number of people that we have in CME departments or in the CME industry or in you know in companies like uh, like mine, a CCO, um, is that we are we are a bit resource limited. We only have so many people that we can put towards the analysis of our programs. Um, now the trick then is that not not only is our data getting bigger, but we're 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 fielding more and more reporting requests because we have supporters that want to better understand um, the value for their educational dollar. Um, we 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 and at the same time we have learners that want to better understand how this education affected them. We have external stakeholders to all of that who are asking, you know, what what impact are you all making? And so you know that that's all you know it all adds up to more and more reporting. Um, but at least, but when when we have uh, limited headcounts and limited resources and time, um, the the reality is that that more reporting leaves less time for analysis, and analysis is where we need to be. So what do we need to do? Is or what do we need to be? We need to be more efficient. We need you know, ways to to be very efficient in the ways that we manage our data. So let's look first at, at, at data validation. Um, you know, for, for people that are unfamiliar with it altogether, what data validation does for you within Excel is that it, it allows you to control what can be entered into a spreadsheet. Um, it, it allow, you've probably seen Excel spreadsheets, uh, form, maybe form documents that, that, that offer dropdowns where you can select from some number of options when you click on a cell rather than having to hand key in data or hand key in information. Um, data validation is how that's done, uh, and so if you if you haven't done that before, um, but you've seen it, uh, maybe it seems like magic. How, how did they set the cell up to only allow me to put in one of four values or one of ten values? Um, so we'll take a look at that in just a second. Um, it'll also allow you to restrict entries. So if some if you do want um, you know text of a certain length or um, or or, or you know, that kind of thing in certain cells, uh, you can set up data validation to say to a user, nope, you can't enter that value here. Um, and, now, and, and we'll actually display an error message. Now, this is distinct from protection of sheets and, and or protection of cells. A lot of people are, are a little bit more or a little bit more aware of that feature. Um, but I think uh, what what the real power of data validation is uh, offers is that it allows you to set up a spreadsheet um, that has enough control in it to ensure that the data that goes in there is conformed. Um, and so you're not having to go back and, and, and proof a, uh, an Excel spreadsheet and say, oh, these, you know, we've, got, we've got data entry problems here because people weren't cognizant of spelling 
Um, and if you were following the Google, uh, the uh, Twitter conversation between Derek and I, where I just uh, was a grammar Nazi back at him, um, same kind of thing. You know, we we can we can uh, we can restrict people from you know entering data that uh, is misspelled or you know is just of the wrong form. Um, for instance, you know, and just a quick example, like you know, we we can ask people to enter. Um, you know, we could we could say how many patients were positively impacted by your participation in this educational program. And obviously what we're looking for there is a number. Um, but a lot of times with users, if we don't restrict values, what they'll do is put in the number four, F-O-U-R, instead of just putting in the number. And that that can that can present all sorts of challenges when it comes time to begin to clean up and, and report on your data. And every minute that you spend cleaning up your data is, is a minute that you don't spend analyzing your data. So that's where data validation comes in really handy. So let's take a look at how this works. Um, and I'll get the, the spreadsheet open in front of us. Oops, that didn't work. Let's try again. Okay. And Derek, just to check in, you guys can all see the Excel spreadsheet now, is that right? Uh, yes, now we can. Okay, great. All right, so I've set up just a, um, uh, for this today's presentation, I have a series of tabs down here. And again, we're breaking this up into three parts. So I'm primarily focused right now on these two purple tabs, the data validation and data validation reference tabs. Um, and what I've created here is perhaps, you know, I, I, I'm not saying that everybody does this. I realize that that a, a, a lot of people, I would hope the majority of people are using some sort of software package to collect um, responses on their evaluations. But evaluations seem like a good place to kind of model this. So, you know, I just kind of imagined where you know a, where you might be trying to collect data on a given activity. You've got learner IDs, um, which is kind of where I've started out here. We've got you know, learner IDs in, in column A. Um, and it's a small activity. We've got you know a grand total of 11 people who have participated in this activity, and we just want to capture their responses to evaluation so that we can roll it up into some different spreadsheets later. Well, we you know let's say we have a, a question on the eval that says you know were handouts useful for this in the, were the handouts useful right? So what I've done here is if we click on this cell, you'll notice that now I have this drop down arrow here, and if I select that drop down arrow, I can say I can you know depending on how Learner A123 responded. I can say yes, no, or there were no handouts for this activity, or not applicable, or or some other you know option that I've set up in the in a different spreadsheet elsewhere. So I could very quickly say yes, and I could get into the hat. You know, yes, no, oops, ah. So if I don't type, obviously it auto filled for me on yes there, but the first time I tried to put it in in. Um, assume, hoping it would autofill on no, it didn't autofill this time. So because I didn't, because I entered a value that was not of the four options, uh, I'm getting a message here that says a user has restricted values given in the cell. Continue. Now this is an informational warning, meaning that um, I can go ahead and continue. Now, so there's so there different options for how you can lock people out of cells. This is an informational one, just a, more of a warning. You can formally lock people out and not allow them to, to enter in a cell value, and we'll take a look at that in a second. So, you, but you can begin to see just how, you know, how useful this can be, um, you know, especially from a speed perspective, um, but really from a conforming data perspective. You really lock people out from being able to put stuff in there. So, how did I set this up? So you'll note in this faculty knowledgeable, obviously I'm modeling an evaluation question that focuses on whether the learner believed that the faculty was knowledgeable. Now I've got no drop-down window here, so I 
haven't taken up, I haven't taken, I have not set this one up, which is intentional. I wanted to show you how to set up um, data validation on this individual cell. So um, what I, the other thing I'll show you before we begin to set that up is this reference table. And, and this is where you will begin to see how I set this up. So um, obviously I've got one of, I can select from any four, one of four values in the handouts useful section. And then if I go to, the, to this reference table, you can see how I've done that, right? So I have a column here that has as its title, handouts useful question mark, and then the options that I want to have available for the learner. Faculty knowledgeable, barriers to implementation, obviously we're coming to those two things, but what I've done in this reference table is set up the options that I, that I intend to show the, to show the, um, you know, to show as options for selections. So if I then go back to the data validation table, let's, let's see how I set this up. So what I want to do is make sure that I am, you know, selecting the cells that I'd like to apply this, this uh, data validation to. Um, and then I go to data, I go to data validation, and now it's, now I have this, this, uh, uh, this small box that's open for me. So the way it's set up initially is it says validation criteria allow any value, meaning you can put anything you want into this cell. Now you have you can you can restrict values to all sorts of things. You could make them put in a whole number. This would certainly defeat that use case that I talked about where somebody typed in F-O-U-R instead of the number four. And if you just put whole numbers in there, that would bounce them out. They'd say, no, but you, you can't put that value here in the you can't put the word for, but you can put the number four. Um, you can you can insist that it's a decimal, a list, you know, that kind of thing. Um, so a date, a time, uh, you can restrict a text length or some other custom type of, of uh, validation criteria. I'm, I'm not going to go over custom validation criteria today, but it, but it, it's something that can that you can certainly explore and learn about. But what we want to do here is select a list. So I've said I want a list, and now it, now it, it updates to ask me for a source. So then I'm going to click on the source but it's on a different sheet, so I'm going to go to that sheet, and you notice that, that, that it's now updated to show that this is the tab that, I'm, that it's going to pull from. I want to select all of these things. Well, why don't I just select the first one? I'll select faculty knowledgeable all the way through 5 through 1 and say OK. OK. Now I've got a drop-down list. Okay, but now you can see the mistake that I've made is that I've by including that top option now, I've I have allowed faculty knowledgeable to be an answer option, right? So there's certainly a place for you to include or for you, for you to have a column header, but when you do your but when you do data validation, you just want to make sure that you're selecting the right um, the right range. Um, so I'm going to update this to just show those five options and then say okay and come back and now you'll see that 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 sixth option has gone away and I can just again very quickly move my way through here and if I want to type you know in general again I've got to retry here so in some cases um, oftentimes we have to um, sometimes it's easier to uh, this, this is particularly why I like to just use numbers when I can because if I don't remember what the exact thing is but once I've got it once it, it will begin to auto populate for me eventually but at any rate you can kind of get the feel for how that works right now um, one of the other things you can do I'll come back in and look at this again on data validation um, is to come back and say um, so that's where I've set the criteria for what goes into the cell 
I can also, we, I mentioned these, these error alerts, and over here on, on this range here, I had what was called an informational error alert, which allows me to put in a value that doesn't conform with my list, if that's necessary, um, but it will still allow me to do so. I can make um, a, a stop or, or a warning um, error alert as well, which will absolutely restrict me from doing so. So I'm going to set a stop, val uh, you know, a stop error alert on this data validation um, set. And now if I tried to put in anything other than a f a, one of the allowed fields, it says retry. I, I, you know, I can't just cancel and, let it, and, and have it accept what I want there. It's going to insist that I put in the right value. Okay, and at one of one of the one of the values that's that's dictated, and once I've done so, then it allows me to move on to the next field. Okay, so um, that's you know some of the tips and tricks around um, let's see around uh, what we're doing with data validation, and and so I've I've done that one time. I'll do it one more time here again, just to, to go through it um, with barriers to implementation. Remember, I'm I want to select the range that I wish to apply data validation to. I want to put in data validation. You, know, you, you can make, make up your own mind about what error alerts you want, but then I'm going to select, go to settings, I'm going to say I want a list, source, select the tab that you're going to pull from, select the options, and OK. Now we're back here, and we have our drop-down list. So can 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 certainly pick up the amount or, you know, or uh, uh, decrease the amount of time you spend um, inputting data, um, and really you know only require obviously requires some some upfront work, but you put yourself in a position where then if you need to go back later. Um, and you know, look at this program, and you just want to look at the numbers of people that um, indicated that they disagreed or or strongly disagreed. Now you can come back using filters and just look at the learners that reported that they disagreed or strongly disagreed. And 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 you're and and if you had a situation where there was a misspelled word here or something along those lines, you make it a lot easier for yourself in the end. So, can, so a lot. You know, what, what I'm really after here is is helping people see. You know, how how do we get our how do we set ourselves up to have our data conformed in the end? Now, I've also uh, wanted to show you input um, messages for the, the type of input message that you get from data validation. Um, you know, phone numbers. If you want, uh, it, what I've done here is is you know collecting a phone number. Um, a lot of us do this if we manage our own memberships or um, our users. Uh, and we want to be able to, to log their cell phones or things like that. Um, you know, sometimes what we run into is, is wanting these things to look a certain way, um, you know, and we can certainly uh, set up data validation, and if we take a look at this, I, I preset this one up, but again, we'll go back and, and take a look at how it's set up. Um, let's go back and look at data validation. What I have said is that I want this to be a whole number between what looks like um, you know, 1 million and... Um, and one billion minus one. Um, so at any rate, that's the that's the conventional link of, of a U.S. telephone number. So basically, what I'm what I am indicating is that oops, let's not do that. Um, you know, I, I want this to be a phone number of the form nine five seven or nine five four seven eight 
four one two three four. And I'm sorry if that's your phone number. I didn't, didn't wasn't thinking of it as if that might be somebody's real phone number. Um, but then if I hit if I hit uh, return, it goes ahead and formats it nicely, makes it look just like a phone number. If I instead put in if I if I'm missing a number, then it, it's going I've got a stop uh, a stop message on this one so that it, it it kicks back to me and says nope that's not the right number. Retry. Now I've got the full number. Um, and, and we've got this input message here, and this is useful because it tells the person that is entering the data uh, what form does it need to be of. Because one of the things that, you know, a lot of times with phone numbers, we have people that want to put dashes in there. No, nope, sorry, that's not the way I want this in, the, in, in this spreadsheet. So, um, you know, if it's not of the exact form that we've specified in the data validation tool, then it kicks, it kicks it back to the user to do, you know, to, to make sure that they're just putting the information in the right way, and then we're counting on Excel to do the reformatting. So you're you're leaning on Excel to increase to increase efficiency. Okay, so that brings us to uh, let me come back now to PowerPoint because um, that brings us to kind of the end of the data validation thing, and I'll and I'll go ahead and just briefly stop and say. Um, you know, and ask for any questions that you may have. And Derek, um, I don't know if you've gotten any that have come in, um, but I'll wait just a second, and then we'll move on and take a look at VLOOKUP. Hey, Eric. Uh, no questions at this moment, but it gives me a good opportunity to remind people of how they can ask questions uh, okay. if they want to. Uh, three ways. One, uh, on the video you are watching, there's a link at the bottom uh, that says something like Q&A. Uh, you can click on that, and you can ask your questions that way. You do have to have a Google, a Google Plus account in order to do that. Uh, the second way is to send me a tweet um, and use the CME Palooza hashtag. Uh, send it to me. Uh, if you've never used Twitter, this is a good opportunity for you to give it a try. Uh, and then the third way is just simply to uh, use the comment box on the CME Palooza website, the same place you're watching uh, the video. Um, you can just put it in there. It will uh, not post right on the website itself, but it sends an email to me, which I will get and can convey your question to Eric that way. And, and I'm sure that we have, we're probably challenged because we've lost some of our, uh, lost some of our Midwestern viewers because Ohio State and Wisconsin are, are currently playing, um, both, tra both trailing at this point in time, um, so. How could you possibly know that while you're doing the presentation? We'll, we'll, we'll check in on these scores again as we make our way through the presentation, okay. Um, okay, so let's take a look at the VLOOKUP function because this is kind of a neat one um, that I, I think is is kind of that maybe is poorly understood, predominantly because trying to set it up requires a little bit of understanding of how to author a um, author a, author the function. Um, you know, it's not immediately uh, obvious to people what am I supposed to put where, and so that's one of the things I wanted to do with this one. Um, but VLOOKUP, as I've stated here, is it's a little bit like looking up a phone number. So think about it this way: you know, if you if you grabbed a, a phone book, presuming that that paper phone books still exist, um, you know, you might look in there for my last name, um, and if you found my last name, you'd find an, another group of first names that are probably associated with my, with with that same last name. I, I you know, there are plenty of Brady's in the world. Um, and so you would find perhaps Eric, and you might find Greg, and you might find Bobby and Cindy. You might find all of those different Brady's. 
um, and and they might have and they might all have their own unique telephone numbers. Um, and in fact, a lot of phone books, as I recall, also had an address, right? So they would have an address information there with like the the street address and maybe the city if you lived in a place that was had multiple cities. But think of it this way: you know, all of those different data points um, we would want to align into columns, right? So we've got um, last name is a column, first name is a column, um, you know, phone number is a column, address, uh, you know, street address is a column, city is a column, state is a column, um, maybe zip code is a column. So basically, the VLOOKUP function works a little bit like that. So you make an assumption that everything that's on the same row is associated with the same entry, so the same person in the case of a telephone book. So the way VLOOKUP works is it looks for data in one column and then returns a result from another column. Um, so, you know, where have we seen that before? Um, let's, let, I'm going to jump over to Excel real quick because a lot of times we begin to see these types of things. Like every time now, or on a lot of websites, when you go to order um, a nice pair of socks or you want to order um, the Frozen movie because that's what my daughter has decided we must have immediately. Um, you know, you go to, to look, you go to order these things. A lot of times you get to the page where you go to order something and you go, you know, it asks for your zip code before it asks for your city and your state um, because the way that that functions is to, um, is, you know, you put in the zip code um, let's see, did I go ahead and set up the zip code here yet? Okay, I haven't built that one yet. We're going to build that one live. Um, but the, the, you know, the concept is I put in my zip code, and what happens is that the city and the state are automatically um, filled into those fields. It's you know, auto-population, right, when you, on those types of web forms, which, again, you know, if you've never seen it, if you've never done it before, it seems a little bit like magic, but we're going we're gonna, to, you know, pull the, the curtain back here and take a look at what's what's happening um, in that type of thing and how we can emulate it in, in, uh, in Excel as well. So that would be wise to just take a look at the anatomy of a VLOOKUP. So you know, this is the function that you would, that you would insert into um, Excel um, to execute a VLOOKUP. And I want to break this up so that we can think about you know, what, what's where so that when we begin to build these ourselves, we can go, okay, so this is what I, you know, this number applies to that. So I built this little thing here. So basically what we have um, is here's the function. So, and, and this is true of, of most Excel functions, right, is the function comes first. And, you know, you, if you have experience with counts or if statements or all that kind of thing, um, the VLOOKUP is the function, so we start out with equals VLOOKUP with an open, um, a, a, an open paren. The next thing is the lookup value, and, and I'm, I'm including, you know, what you, what you see here is the lookup value. When you, when you go to start typing in a VLOOKUP into Excel, it's going to specify that the that lookup value is what goes here. Uh, and, and so this thing that I have here before the colon as we work our way through the anatomy of the VLOOKUP equation, um, is is what it'll ask you for, and you know if, if you have you know you'll have access to this presentation, so you can come back and say, so what did that mean again? Well, so B5, the lookup value is I'm I'm saying I want Excel to look for the value found in B in, in cell B5. So if cell B5 says Brady, I want the lookup to go look for the term or for the name Brady for the you know five letter B R A D Y. Or if, if the value 10 
is in cell B5. I want Excel to go looking for the value 10. Well, the next logical question, if you think logically, is well, where do I want Excel to go look for that value? And that's what comes next. So next is what's referred to in the Excel formula. If I begin again typing in the lookup, it's going to tell me that it would like to, it wants the tape, it says put the table array here. Okay, so I've put in B5, comma, and now this is where the table array goes. So I want Excel to try to find the value in cell B5 in this range of cells. So I want it to look in the first column. So it's always going to look in, in, the, in column A um, for a VLOOKUP reference. So it's going to look in column A for whatever value I have in cell B5. Okay. Now the array is bigger than that though because I'm going to extend out to where I want it to be looking up. So basically this array is 94 columns or nine, yeah 94 rows long and and bridges two columns A and B. So this is kind of the simplest of a VLOOKUP because column A is going to be our reference cells and column B is going to be where our results come from. So I'm so I'm looking for that that's that value that's in B5 somewhere in column A. The column index number. This is this means I want Excel to select the value from the second column in the array and put it in the cell where this formula is placed. Now in this this simple array, um, it's going to it's going to be the only you know, two is really the only option because we're looking at at column B for where our result comes from. So, um, and then finally, uh, and, and we'll look at an example where we expand that, and you can see where you know two and three makes a difference. The range lookup. Okay, the only options here are true or false. Um, false means I I'm telling Excel that I want only an exact match. Okay, true allows it to pick the closest match, and there are reasons that you might want um, a close match or or the nearest match. But for, for the purposes we're talking about today, it, it, false is really what we're going to want here because we want an exact match. Okay, now let's come back to Excel and take a look at how that works. Now, um, we work with uh, some logistics vendors um, who, who tend to still track data um, from some of our live meetings in Excel spreadsheets. One of the challenges that we have is that a lot of logistics vendors that we hire don't always have great insight into what degrees um, should uh, apply to a certain role. So what I mean by that is they don't necessarily know that a BSN and an RN and an MSN are all basically a nurse. That's a real-world example for us, I think, you know, because sometimes we have you know new people that we've hired that just that just kind of lack that perspective on on what degree um, is is applicable to which or is uh, assignable to which healthcare role. So this is a this is a little um, uh, a little uh, lookup tool that I built for our logistics vendors that goes out with some of our spreadsheets so that they can do this pretty simply. And you'll notice I have set up right here, um, when I click on this cell, a VLOOKUP statement. So just like the one um, from the example, this is a VLOOKUP. I want it to reference cell B5, which is where I'm going to type something. I'm going to, the table array is found on the VLOOKUP reference table. That's what these, uh, that's, recall that's, we saw that with data validation. Um, 
and it's and it's going to and the table array is from a a1 to c94. So again, a 94 um, row array that starts on column A and runs through column C. So if you think about that, column A would be column 1, column B would be column 2, and column C would be column 3. So I'm asking it to return the value to return values found in column 2. So the B range and I want an exact match. Okay. Now, oops. I want to change that to B5. Now, so how does this work? So if I, if, you know, if somebody wants to look up a degree of RPH, I hit return. Now I, now that tells somebody that, oh, this is a pharmacist. BSN, that's a nurse. DO, that's a physician. RT, that's another HCP, a radiation, uh, maybe a, uh, a um, respiratory therapist. Um, so we have, so basically, that's a nice little way to use a VLOOKUP to get, you know, to do a, a lookup like this. So what's, let's take a look at the reference table so that we can see how that's lined up. So you'll know that when I come to this reference lookup table, and again, I've just basically built uh, an array on, on, a, on a back sheet or on a reference table where I've got a list of degrees. I go ahead and assign them to a specific role. And, and I've actually here even set up something that's, you know, where, where, where there's a mid-level provider designation, which is why I had an array that was, you know, columns A, B, and C. Now, um, so that's, that's you know, here's one key uh, that, I, that I don't mention in the slides, but, you, but your, uh, your reference column needs to be in alphabetical order. Um, if these are out of order, it will start to throw off the, return, the value that gets returned. So if you were to tack on a new one at the end here, um, you know, we'll just OCH if that were if that were something. Um, you would need to update your your um, your alphabetization on that column A and get it once you've put the data in, and it, and it'll sort itself out. So that's just one thing to remember um, when you're when you're working with VLOOKUPs. Let's actually get rid of that. So again, let's let's now set up. So you know, so we'll say type in degree in cell B five value in C the value in C5 will indicate the role, and now I'll just add the value in D5 will indicate whether or not this is a mid-level provider, because sometimes that's important for us to know. Um, and let's, just to be consistent, we'll make that bold. Oh, yeah, that worked. Okay. So basically, what I want to do is set up another VLOOKUP statement here. So let's just sh show how this types in when it's not already set up. So I've got VLOOKUP. Now it's asking me, as I noted on the on, in in PowerPoint, the lookup table or the lookup value, the table array, the column index number, and the range lookup. So the lookup value is still B5 because we're still metering off of that. The table array, well, we can pick that up from from this pr previous equation, but it's, I, I would argue, easier to just click your way there. So my reference, I know that my table array is here, so I click, and now th the equation is still referencing back to that table. Now I'm on this tab to set up my table array. I grab the top corner all the way down. This is, this is kind of, as I say, my table array, comma, now it wants to know which column 
do you want me to return the value from? If I put a value in uh, in the B5, it's going to reference the A column. And for the mid-level provider, I want to look at C. So that's one, two, three. Drop the three in. Range lookup again. I want false because I want an an exact match. And you'll notice that true it says is appropriate match. We'll we'll take a look at what would happen if we if we put true there in just a second. I hit. And now it's telling me yes. So this is another HTTP. We're going to call that a mid-level provider. Well, to double-check my work, I'll put in MD, who I know isn't a mid-level provider. And now it updates to show me physician. And no, that's not a mid-level provider. RN, nurse, yes. PharmD, pharmacist, no. Well, that could be wrong. But that's probably because I've set it up wrong. Um, but at any rate, so let's take a look at what happens if we make if if we um, if we make this one true. Okay, so right now nothing changed when I made when I made that when I changed that from false to true because exact match is going to override an approximate match. So what happens if I put in something that's not real? The the value uh, the let's say that Z asked is is a degree type. Well, it's gonna, it thinks that's a nurse practitioner. Well, why would it think that's a nurse practitioner? Because if I go back to my list, the very last one here in, in, in alphabetical order, ZS would fall here. The closest approximate, the closest one to it is nurse practitioner. And so that that's why you know true can be a, a dangerous value to put there because if you, you know, it, there there are use cases where you want an an, appro an approximate match. But more often than not, you want an exact match, and if you put in a degree type that's not a that's not valid, you'd like it to tell you, no, that's not applicable. I don't know what that is. That doesn't that doesn't fit into my into my worldview. Okay. All right. All right. So let's figure. Let, let's. Uh, so I, I thought the the other really great one um, to to that you know people like to set up is is based off of postal code and and, and city and zip. Um, and so I, I want to make sure that we that we take a look at that one. Um, let's see, how much time do I have left, Eric? Uh, I was just going to break in and give you a five-minute warning. Okay, so uh, obviously there you know, we, we could take a look at that one, but I do want to jump forward and take a look at conditional formatting. I can't believe I'm running as long as I am when I've got when when I when I had so little content. Um, all right, so that's basically how VLOOKUP works. Um, but let's let's jump forward to conditional formatting because I think there's some good stuff in here that that again you may want to consider for your own work. You know, you highlight entries according to a set of rules. You know, reformat many cells that meet a specific criteria at once. Um, you know, can even highlight rows of data based on the value in one cell. Um, it'll it, what it really does more better than anything is helps you find data visually. Um, with a limitation of just nothing, and, and this is true. Of, uh, this limitation is is um, is uh, is true of everything that we talked about today. Poor data entry and capture with you know extra spaces and things like that, and data can really can really um, throw off a lot of the hard work that you that you that we're trying to do here. So conditional formatting basics. Um, you know, it's pretty simple, really. Um, this is you can see conditional formatting from the home tab on on Excel, um, where maybe you know th this is a, a range of data where we have you know question IDs, when things were answered, um, the seconds remaining. We actually this is from a, a quiz program where we allow people a certain amount of time to answer a question in a device. Um, you know, so let's just you know set question ID here. And take a quick look at conditional formatting. 
one of the things we can do is say that I want to see, um, let's see, uh, let's see, manage rules, new rule. So, so let's say that I want to look for question, we, I just want to see the data that show me question IDs between 400 and 403. And so I can put in those values, 403. I can set a format and say I would like those cells to be filled in with orange. Okay. Apply. And then I can and then I could very quickly scan and just find the data points that I want to find. Right. So uh, conditional formatting is really built to do that kind of thing. And then what's nice is that once, you, once you've done that, you can either sort or filter. Um, and then you know, a filter will just remove all of the data that you don't want to look at. Um, that can be really, really powerful, um, not necessarily with just a question ID number, but uh, you could very quickly um, you know, do that kind of filtering. And, and you know, conditional formatting can be uh, managed and cleared. Um, at any rate, uh, I was going to show just a quick, so there are, a lot, there are lots of different ways you can use conditional formatting, and I'll just spend a second with um, looking at the different options there. Um, you know, there are rules that allow you to, um, you know, based on, uh, you can make cells have specific text or, you know, dates that occur between certain ranges. Um, you can you can you can ask it to help you find blanks or no blanks or um, you know specific values. Uh, it's kind of like we did here. Um, obviously, I put a cell value of between. You could say greater than, less than, um, not between. Um, if you wanted to eliminate everything, but you wanted to look outside of 400 um, and and now the ones that are not you know 400 and oh, that's doing something weird. Let's come back to that. So at any rate, fair number of, of things that you can do with, um, with conditional formatting to quickly help you visualize and sort data. Um, so I, I, would, I would go further with um, some you know, pivot tables and things like that. Maybe I'll do a separate um, just hangout at some point soon to, to show some of the extra stuff that I would do there. But uh, to be cognizant of, of, the t of the time and to keep everybody on schedule, um, I'll probably close up at this point, but I will um, point out just one real quick thing um, that, uh, or one real quick reference that I think is kind of neat. Um, you know, one of the best ways I learned about um, highlighting duplicates um, was from Chip Peterson's website. He actually has a download that you can that you can pull that allow you to use um, ex uh, this function within Excel where you can. Use a formula to determine which cells to format. Um, so you would come to you come to conditional formatting, choose to select a, a cell to format, and then um, I usually just paste the format that I want from Chip's work, um, and, and am able to use it pretty easily um, just to show you you know what that looks like in in real terms. Um, you can he's got formulas built that allow you to do all of these different things. All duplicates is built into Excel, um, but oops. You know what? I'll show it to you here. These are Pearson's conditional rules. So basically, if you need it, you could come to this cell and select here and say conditional formatting manage rules. 
um, edit rule, and then you can pick up this formula and take it into, the, into your worksheet and just correct the values um, to be consistent with the way that they're set up in, in this tab. Um, and so basically he has equations here that allow you to identify all duplicates, so only the record, it'll highlight only the records that that appear multiple times and leave all the rest of them alone. So C, D, E, F, and I and J only appear once. G, G, G appears twice. A appears twice. So it's it's highlighting those. The first duplicate only out of a out of a group. Um, second and and subsequent duplicates only. Unique items. First distinct items. Last distinct items. So there's, but the the bottom line is there are great ways to try to um, you know to use Excel to your to your advantage um, to efficiently work your way through data. So you've got some really, really great, great ways to quickly sort and filter data and conform data. Um, just you know, take the the point is take the time to consider what you need to report on when setting up your data capture. And you know, my final point there is that you know you, your ability to offer strong analysis. And I think most of the most of the people that are talking about data here would agree it's only as good as the integrity of your data. If 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 it's it's the old maxim of garbage in, garbage out. Uh, if you don't take the time to make sure that your data getting captured going in is is well conformed, you're going to fight it the rest of the way. So I'll stop at that point. Hey Eric, actually just got a quick question for you. So we're right at 115. So if you can answer quick, and then I'll we'll try. move on. But uh, here's the question: uh, Can we look up two or more values at once? Like if X is in column A and Y is in column B, whatever is in the column index will be returned. Yes, it can be done, um, and I actually have an example. Um, if you if you want to connect that person with me, I'm happy to to help try to figure out um, figure out or get get a, an example out there. Okay, that sounds great. Um, okay. I'm gonna bring myself up here. Thanks a lot, Eric. That was uh, that was really excellent. That's uh, that's tricky doing an actual you know Excel demo uh, live like that. So I really appreciate it. Um, and just to give everyone an update, uh, Dayton is ahead of Ohio State, 33 to 30 at halftime. <laughs> which, uh, yeah, that's I did predict that game. Uh, and American is tied with with Wisconsin. So see, you don't even have to check the games. You can just stay right here. Right. Um, all right. Next session is scheduled for 1:15. So we will get that moving as quickly as possible. Uh, Chitra Subramaniam, um, which I'm sure I said wrong, uh, from Duke is going to be talking about transformational CE, thinking out of the box to lead change. So we'll get that set up as soon as we can and see you in about five minutes. Thanks again, Eric. Thanks, Derek.